Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, police say they're investigating the violent incident at a recent liberal event. It is absolutely unacceptable that people be throwing things and endangering others at a political rally. There were volunteers and supporters. There are uh, police officers there to keep everyone safe. Aaron O'Toole commits to appointing a health minister who has been fully vaccinated. Yes, and here is something Mr. Trudeau seems to forget. I've been advocating for vaccines for over a year. And the leaders meet tonight in the first of two back-to-back debates. On va postuler à, à votre votre historique sur l'anticosti. Moi, je peux vous en parler euh, pendant allons... des jours sans problème. Je, je suis sûr que vous Et pouvez parler de l'anticosti. Monsieur Trudeau, si on va investir dans Trans Mountain pour prendre de l'argent de Trans It's Wednesday, September 8th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the campaign this morning. We're joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Let's talk about the debate tonight and the English language date debate, which follows tomorrow night. Uh, often debates can be overplayed in an election campaign with, with the expectation that they will be major turning points. In this case, maybe there is a lot at stake, given how close the Liberals and the Conservatives are in the polls, how little time there is left in the campaign. What do you think? Is is this a potential turning point? I think it could be, uh, Mark, and, and you're, I'm sure you're right, and uh, we've all noticed over the years that uh, uh, debates don't necessarily have a decisive impact on a campaign, um, and they tend to get blurred into the overall sort of um, fallout from the campaign trail. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot at stake here. I mean, I think uh, probably most uh, most of all for uh, Justin Trudeau because uh, he called this election. He's the guy who set this whole thing in motion, and um, as a result, has uh, you know probably to his own surprise, as a surprise of his people, found himself trailing or tied at best in this. Uh, campaign to date. So, uh, yeah, it's a, there's a lot at stake for him. There's a lot at stake for, um, for the other leaders as well. And, uh, but I think it's really an Aaron O'Toole v. Uh, Justin Trudeau type of uh, matchup that people are waiting to see. Yeah. And what do you expect? Uh, I'm sure there will be questions about why the election was called. I'm sure there will be questions of Aaron O'Toole about vaccinations about gun control uh so what are the what are the themes that you're expecting tonight and tomorrow night well all of the above uh you know i mean the rules of the debates are are laid out as well i mean that not every single topic uh is actually on the formal agenda for discussion uh but of course the leaders can raise whatever they want when their mic is on so I think you will see Trudeau on the attack on O'Toole, on vaccines particularly, also on guns. Um, and there have been some weird contradictory statements coming out of the Conservative campaign over the past week or so on both those topics. So, you know, it's um, there is some ground there to be made up. I think, um, as with any sort of sitting leader, if you will, sitting prime minister who enters a debate like this, you have to be careful about the tone. You don't want to seem so harsh and desperate, uh, you know, that your that your own people or the potential swing voters are turned off by that. Um, you know, the other leaders are expected to be on the attack, and they will be. 
Um, so, yeah, it is interesting. And the other dynamic that's going on this year as well, Mark, which is a little bit unusual, is the fact of the two French language debates and really only one in English. So that is another um, kind of different mix of, of events in this campaign that we don't usually see. Yeah. All right, let's turn to the fact that uh, police in London, Ontario, are investigating what happened a couple of days ago when Liberal leader Justin Trudeau there was there for a campaign stop and people threw rocks. Uh, this has been part of a developing storyline over the course of this campaign as, as protests have grown, uh, particularly around Trudeau, and they've been angry protests. There are journalists describing them as as the the angriest that they've seen uh, in in recent Canadian political history, um, so what do you think about the police investigation and and just the protests in general as they have been building? Well, people have the perfect right to go and protest uh, at any political event, you know, and that, that I don't think there's any issue with that. It's the way they go about it. So you can't pick up rocks, gravel, whatever, and hurl them at a political party leader in this country. I don't think that's acceptable. And uh, very few Canadians do. Uh, those people who are protesting, they appear to be a lot of uh, sort of commonalities from place to place, anti-vax, you know, uh, folks, uh, and I mean, with a mixture of every type of malcontent and complaint that's out there. Uh, but this is in keeping with this horrible tone in politics over the past number of years, Mark, in Canada and particularly in the U.S., but elsewhere as well, where um, people feel that they have the right to sort of take it beyond the normal uh, discourse of politics because their issues are so desperately important. Uh, I don't agree with that, and I don't think many people do, and I don't think those people are doing their anti-vax campaigns any good by this type of displays. And frankly, I hope the police go after uh, whoever's chucking rocks at these things. Um, and I, mean, I saw a note this morning that uh, a couple of Liberal volunteers were door-knocking in Calgary in an apartment building Monday night. And, I mean, they were attacked, spit on, assaulted. Uh, you know, what's going on with that? Uh, I don't think uh, <laughs> we've come to the point where that type of, uh, you know, violent civil disobedience is, is required to get anything done. But uh, that's where we are. And this is partly a social media agitation issue as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is disturbing, that's for sure, and it's getting worse. Do you think it, it's mostly connected to the fact that we've just been through a pandemic and there are unusually tough measures that are being put in place to address that, where the government's getting involved in our lives in a way that it normally doesn't, and there, there is a, a backlash against that, and... Uh, and regardless of where you stand on the issue, you can understand that, that and acknowledge that there are some people who don't agree with the decisions around it. Is it is it that or is it uh, what some people describe as as the kind of unrest that's happened in other countries, including the United States, coming to Canada? Well, I, I think it's both. I mean, and first off, it's COVID that's interfering in the lives of Canadians. Uh, the government is only reacting to to the initial intrusion on our rights, our health, and our and our safety and security, um, you know that's that is the issue at stake. I don't have really any sympathy anymore with these people trying to claim that their preferences are more important than the health of my grandkids or uh, or you know vulnerable people in society. I'm done with that. 
and I think a lot of people are, and I do place a lot of the blame on the, you know, madness of Facebook and other types of social media that are stirring up these debates, layering it full of misinformation and agitation, and, uh, and are telling people, uh, in effect, that it's okay to, to do these things. You know, every single person who disagrees with, with the, the federal government's approach on the pandemic has the perfect right to vote for somebody else. And that's how it works. And, you know, chucking rocks and, and screaming and swearing, cursing and, and acting out uh, in public might feel good, might bring you back to your good old days when you were 17 years old and you could act like a, a fool in public. But uh, that's not how things get settled. And it won't have. I mean, any party now that gets elected, what are they going to do? Start mollycoddling these uh, anti-vaxxers and pretending they're all great? I can't see any party doing that, even the conservatives, who, by the way, aren't helping matters by being very sort of muddy and unclear about where they stand on vaccination, you know, including even whether their candidates are vaccinated. So this is not helping matters either. Yeah, and just on that, uh, Aaron O'Toole has said in a conservative government, the health minister would be vaccinated. Um, that, that seems like a pretty low threshold, uh, given that he's also said he advocates for, for vaccines and wants to see 90% of Canadians vaccinated, uh, and, and that would be the goal of a conservative government. So it, it, seems, it seems interesting to me that, that he's, he's suggesting that a conservative government would have 90% of Canadians vaccinated, but the threshold within his cabinet would be perhaps one or two in 25, right? Yeah, it's, that position is utterly in, un, nonsensical. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's not coherent. Uh, saying he's going to have a health minister who's fully vaccinated, big, hairy deal. That's that's one Canadian uh, of course, the health minister is going to be vaccinated in a pandemic. Uh, I mean, and and saying that somehow his government would be able to get 90 percent within two months uh, through some kind of social media campaign or, or measures, uh, you know, to address the vaccine hesitant. What, what are these measures? I mean, he should come out and say it. We, we've all had a year and a half, almost two years, you know, this winter, uh, to think of these things through. And, I mean, I'm astonished that the Conservative Party of Canada, with all its resources and brain power, can't come up with a co- coherent and consistent uh, policy on this. So, you know, I, that is a strange and very weak, uh, you know, position, considering all the other parties are more or less consistent in the in their approach to to the crisis and the and the pandemic. All right, Dan, we'll see what happens tonight when the leaders share the stage in Gatineau, Quebec and begin debating each other in French and then tomorrow night in English. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. If you want to be taken seriously as a potential government, you have to be honest with Canadians. But that's something that we're seeing is increasingly difficult for Mr. O'Toole to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues, Justin Trudeau has found his ferocity. Delacourt writes, Trudeau may not have entered this election seeing Aaron O'Toole as the man who could take his job, but he clearly does now. His Labor Day news conference featured a significantly sharper, sustained attack on O'Toole, and many Liberals will be heartened to see this all-out effort to turn the last two weeks of this election into a referendum on the Conservative leader 
rather than the vague anger management exercise it has been to date for the Trudeau team. In the National Post, Tasha Carradine asks if Justin Trudeau can reverse the Conservatives' momentum. Carradine writes, For the past 10 days, the Tories have been trending upwards, the Liberals dropping down. If this pattern holds, it could push the Conservatives over the top. Still, there are clouds on Aaron O'Toole's horizon. Justin Trudeau will not go down without a fight. And there are still plenty of fights to be had. He will try to convince voters that O'Toole is a right-wing wolf in centrist clothing. But coming from a prime minister who still cannot answer why he plunged the country into an election, that old hidden agenda trope rings rather hollow. At iPolitics, Sam Hammond argues federal parties must commit to strengthening public education. Hammond writes, The pandemic has exposed long-standing cracks in education and society. For too long, they were band-aided over by the education community and triaged by school staff who lacked resources, time, and attention. Now, with parties vying for votes in the upcoming election, Canadians have an opportunity to consider and tackle the challenges before them. It's time for a national conversation about public education, how to protect it, strengthen it, and make it the centerpiece of a better Canada. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet, and Green Party leader Annamie Paul are all in the national capital region where they will take part in tonight's French-language leaders' debate. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, September 8th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign and for the French language debate tonight. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.